today as we begin this new series, A Generous Life. I thought this was a great series as we begin to enter into the holiday season, and I'm glad you're here. I hope you'll plan on being here throughout the next four weeks as we go through this wonderful series that teaches us about what it means and why it's important to live a generous life. So I invite you to take your Bible, however you get your Bible, whether it's in book form. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you. Pull that out and open to 1 Timothy. That's right, 1 Timothy. That's right, we're still in Timothy. I thought this is a great way that it overlaps, taking us from letters to leaders right into this series. But I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we've just got a few verses here that Paul is writing to this leader and something he thinks is important for Timothy to continue teaching. In fact, gives him two commands. So let's, uh, let's look at this verse. Hear from the word of the Lord, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world... Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in who? In God. Who richly provides us with everything. Everybody say everything. For our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the Word of God for the people of God and our response is thanks be to God. Well, here we are at the beginning of a new series and I'm excited uh, to be able to do this, but it's always, it's always strange when you start out a new series and there's a double command. I don't know what it is about commands. I don't know if it, it goes all the way back to uh, you know, the founding of our country, but we tend to resist commands, don't we? When somebody says, do this or else, or do this, uh, you know, we kind of, you're kind of already on the defensive. And especially if it's, uh, if, if it's something to do with giving. We're always just a little, you need to give. And we kind of take a, at least a defensive posture, if not a little bit of hostility, and close our ears off and all those kinds of things. So don't do that today. Because I think there's some good news here for us to hear, even though Paul thinks it is so urgent that he wants Timothy to command that church in Ephesus to do some of these things. So let's look at this. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. In fact, I want to start first and foremost by just taking this out of religion altogether. Because so often religion gets a bad rap, I think, for talking about giving. So first of all, let's just start with science. Is that okay? I think I want to introduce you to uh, Dr. Tristan Inagaki. And she is a psychologist at the University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, home of the Steelers. Woo! All right. Thank you for that round of indifference. Um, 
But Dr. Inagaki did a study in 2018, and she found that targeted giving, that means giving where you're giving for a specific purpose to someone to help them or to better their situation. When, when you have targeted giving, it increases activity in the brain's ventral striatum and the septal area. Aren't you blessed? So the, the ventral striatum is the part of the brain that lights up when you are being altruistic towards someone else, when you're doing something good for somebody else, there's actually a part of your brain that lights up and it sends those good feeling chemicals into your brain. But it combines that with the septal area and the septal area is the part of the brain that lights up when you are giving care, when you're nurturing a child, one that is yours. Uh, it, it, it just lights up. And so when you are, participate in targeted giving, when you're giving of, of yourself to someone else for a specific purpose, these two parts of your brain light up and produce those kind of good feeling endorphins, those chemicals. But it doesn't stop there. Her study also showed a decrease in the activity of the amygdala. And the amygdala is the area that when you're stressed, when you're dealing with a phobia or a fear, uh, when you're anxious, this part of the brain works and sends out those negative feeling chemicals that get you all worked up. And so not only does it light up those parts of the brain that, that bring the good feeling chemicals, it also reduces the parts of your brain that, that cause anxiety, phobias, and stress. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think that's a that's an awesome study. So in other words, when you command someone to be generous, it's really asking them to do something beneficial for themselves. And in the process, you're also helping someone else. Or maybe another way to say that is you want to have less fear, less stress, less anxiety. Be generous. Can we all do with a little less stress, fear, and anxiety? Be generous. Or... Do you want to have more warm feelings towards others? Could our world right now use people who have warm feelings towards other people? Well, be generous. Now, when it comes to Paul and talking with Timothy, he had some different reasons other than science, but goes along in the same vein. And so I would like us right now, I want us to watch a a brief video that really sums up in many ways, the generosity of God throughout the Scripture. And it does it in a way that I thought you could grab hold of this very quickly in about five minutes. And say, hey, let's watch this. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. 
And you all should live that way too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance. And they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously, doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. It's a good, good summary. Do you see generosity, the generosity of God 
all the way through from beginning right to now. To give His one and only Son for you. And then to give to you the Holy Spirit that enables you to see life through the generous eyes of Jesus. And I love this quote, when we believe, when you believe there's enough, you start seeing the opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time, our money, and our attention. This isn't just a series focused on giving money, but it's about a generous life, a generous lifestyle, that there is more of you that can be given to the world through Jesus Christ. And this is an exciting thing for us to do. So you may want to say, uh, I want you to see what Paul's reasons were. Paul's reasons were saying, the reason why I want you to command them to be generous, Timothy, is because this is like show and tell. He says, command, in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with how much stuff? Everything for our enjoyment. It shows when we live a generous life, it shows the generosity of God out into our world. It means a couple weeks ago when we were in our other series, we used this idea that our behaviors flow directly out of our values. Our values flow directly from who we see ourselves to be, our identity. And our identity flows and is shaped directly by our story and our narrative. So if you have what we were saying back then was that 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 shows that your beliefs show exactly what you believe. They show your your behaviors show or mirror the story you believe in. So in this instance, if we believe in a story of a God who is so generous, then our identity is one who has everything that we need. And that way we begin to value looking for opportunities for generosity out into our world. And then our behaviors become generous behaviors. Ways that we give our time, our attention, where we give of ourselves, where we give even our finances as a part of that. When we give, it's not just giving just because we need to have the lights on. It's we give or we take the time to serve and do something because we believe in a God who so loved you and the world that He what? He gave. And He gave and He gave and He gave. And He even gave His own life. And so we give in order to mirror that, to show that out into the world. Your acts of generosity show that you truly believe in a God who will provide your every need, no matter the circumstances. I won't say it's not easy. Many of you know that that Lori and I went through a time where we lost her half of the income. And yet... We reminded ourselves, we reminded each other, sometimes to read scriptures. Somebody gave me, they took the risk. They, they even said, it's kind of nervous giving my pastor passages of scripture. But I found those to be so helpful to read them. I put them right in my car. There's a little place right on my dashboard where they would just sit and fit. And I would flip one each day. And it was reminding me that God has this in his hands. 
And we are called, even in this position, to continue giving. So we didn't give up on being two of the 50 of us who are giving $15 a week in order to replenish the the stuff for the calling of our associate pastor. We continued to tithe, and we wanted to do that because we wanted to see what God would do. And I wanted you to know that God... God supplied our every need during that time. Lori's back to work now. It's great. We're going to get our first paycheck. Woo! But uh, that just means that we get to tithe more. We get to give more. Because we want to model the generosity of the God who provides everything for our enjoyment. And this is, this is an important thing for us to remember. It reflects the story that we actually believe in. It reflects the God who gave everything when we are generous. Now, the other part of the command is that a generous life shows eternal life lived out. Paul says in verses 18 and 19, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly Life. I love hearing eternal life described that way. The life that is truly life. Unfortunately, we've made eternal life something that happens after we die. But Jesus never had that in mind. He wanted us to know that you can have the life that is truly life right now in the present. And that life is so strong it can never be taken from you even if this body stops breathing. It is a life that goes on. For eternity, but it is a life that is truly life here and now. Now, I know that it says do good and be rich in good deeds. And so I, I, need, I feel like I need to take a moment and say that because some of you are probably saying, well, that sounds like works righteousness, Pastor. And if you're not a churchy person, uh, works righteousness is this lingo that we came up with sometime in the church, you know, a few hundred years ago, that uh, is this idea that if we work hard enough, if we're good enough, if we serve enough, then we'll earn God's favor and God's blessing. And I want to say right here, right off the bat, that is a big fat no. We are not generous to earn God's favor We are generous because we already have God's favor, and God gave that favor freely through Jesus Christ. It is a gift. You have only to accept it. But it is given freely. There is nothing you can do, no amount of good you can do, no amount of serving to try and earn the favor of God. You already have it. The question is, have you accepted it? And have you lived into that and let that change who you are from the inside out? So it's not works righteousness, then what do we get? What do we have? We are simply modeling to others what we experience in salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've experienced the free gift of God's love, you should know that now there are opportunities for you to show the free gift of God's love to others by loving and being generous to someone else who didn't deserve it. And without them having to earn it or strive for it, when you model that... You are modeling the God you believe in. And this is called a generous life. And this is what we are called to as Christians. So, if these are good commands, I hope that your brain has raced ahead and you are now saying, okay, so how can I be generous? Where can I be generous? I'm glad you asked. Well, first of all, you can be generous with your time. That often looks like volunteering. This is not just a, well, you you ought to do this. No. 
Do you believe in a generous God? We should be generous with our time. We can give to someone else. I am so grateful for all of you who last week, weekend, while I was away retreating, showed up here to clean up the outside of the church building. Doesn't it look great? I mean, the new siding, the new, uh, the new garage. I, I know this isn't like really incredible things that we think about, but the retention pond is empty of the little forest that was growing there. And, and, and there was a lot of hard work that was done. So thank you for doing that. A couple weeks ago, we went to another church and we decided to help them out and do some organization and cleaning on the inside of the building. We don't do that just to pat ourselves on the back. We do that because we believe in a God who gave of himself and came to serve, not to be served. Last night, there were many of you who welcomed our community in the rain here for our harvest festival. And I'm so grateful for our We Care workers, for Jen and Liz who set all of that up and and got it ready to go, and our church volunteers who came and were here to welcome people through the games and the volunteers and to, to share. Pastor Kyle and I got opportunities to share over and over again the way that God's love can cleanse us from sin on the outside and the inside, and His love can be in us to transform our communities. That was fun. That was awesome. And by the way, who wouldn't want to see the world's cutest version of The Office? Yes, that's little mini Dwight down there. Or Cap and Thor. I mean, come on. It was fun. We had a great time doing it. This weekend, we also had our lock-in. God bless those of you who are still awake and went to a lock-in right now. Um, We're glad you're here. But there are opportunities for you to serve, even with our, our youth and our staff there. It's great. There are other things, part of our 10-4 vision. This is why we put these in here. It wasn't just to give you something else to do. It was because we are called to be a community that models the generosity of God. And so we have service projects every other month. Be looking for the one next month. I think it's going to be a great time. You could be a part involved with our We Care families. If you can read to kids, just go sign up with Jen. We'd love to get some connection there. You could lead a small group. You could be a greeter. We're trying to welcome 274 new people this year alone. We need help with people saying hi and welcoming new people. You can be someone who invites So that that new person, that one of 274, might be someone you brought here. All of these things show the eternal life that you have. The life that is really life to those around you. Another way that you can can do this is through your attention. Generous attention. When you show someone they matter to you, even for the smallest amount of time, you are showing how all people matter to God. One of the best examples of this and I, and I, was my own dad. And I can't tell you how many times when people talk to me about my dad and his pastoral ministry, said one of the, it, it comes up over and over again. He said, when you were talking to Doug McVeigh, you had his undivided attention. didn't matter if it was in the middle of the foyer and there were things going on. When he paused to talk to you, You knew his attention was in whatever you were saying. And he had time for you. That's what I'm talking about. When we take even those momentary pauses to truly be engaged and give our undivided attention to another human being, 
You are doing that because you are saying that just like all people matter to God, they matter to us too. And they should. It's a part of mirroring that love that God has for others. And lastly, of course, we have generous giving. We have tithes and we have offering. If you're new to the church, a tithe is simply 10% of what God enables you to earn. Now, I think I know we tend to think in our day and age that, well, I worked hard, I earned this, why should I give some of it away? Well, you can look at science. It'll tell you that it'll, it'll do some good things for you to do that. But it is also recognizing that God blessed me, or you, with the ability to learn a trade or a skill, to gain an education that helped you earn the paycheck that you are getting bi-weekly or monthly or every other week, however, however it works for you. And you are saying, I'm not going to trust this paycheck for my life. I know God has enabled, without what God has done in my life, I'd, I'd get nothing. But He has given me 100%. And I'm going to give 10% back to Him. For Him to use in His purposes. That's what we mean when we say tithes and offerings. Tithe is different than an offering. An offering is everything you give to a certain purpose or to a certain person beyond the 10% of the tithe. Some examples of this might be World Evangelism Fund or Faith Promise, World Mission. That we give uh, beyond our, our 10%, we give extra. We're, this year we're doing God Surprise Me. When God surprises you with extra, you're giving some of that or some of you are giving all of that to world evangelism that's helping to build churches and hospitals and wells and schools for people around the world. We involve, that's a part of offering. You've given your tithe. You're giving offering extra on top of that to world evangelism or to faith promise. Some of you are participating in one of 50. We said we were going to call an associate pastor and we had money set aside for that, but we wanted to keep replenishing that. And so we were asking if there would be 50 people who would dedicate themselves to giving $15 per week in offering that we could replenish this year after year after year. Some of you have been involved in that. You can be more than one person in a household. Lori and I both contribute to that to make sure that we're doing that. We still have 19 slots. Won't you be a part of that? It'd be great. You want to give it all at once? That's fine. You want to give it half the year now and half later? You want to do that? These are ways that you can be generous in your giving. The building fund. Did you know I believe after this month's payment goes in, we'll be under $100,000 owed on this building. It's one of our 10-4 goals. We know it will, it will absolutely end in May of 2021, but do we really want to wait that long to free up $6,000 a month? I'd love to put that in ministry, wouldn't you? Instead of a building? We can give towards that. Everything you give into the building fund pays down the principal a little bit quicker. You could give there. Now, I want you to know that the church as an organization, we don't just invite you into this generous lifestyle. We also believe in it as an organization. So we give out at least 10% of what comes in out into things like 
world missions. Uh, we support our, our university in Bourbon A that is training the new generation of ministers and pastors and nurses and doctors to go. And we support those ministers who are retiring and helping. We give to Nazarene Compassion International that is on the ground whenever there's a disaster to go and minister in your name, in the Church of the Nazarene's name. So this is not just something we're asking you to do and we don't do. We believe it's important for us as an organization to tithe as well. That we have a responsibility to give back what God has enabled us to earn through your, your giving, through your generous life. Do you see how this works? So, we are commanded to do some pretty incredible things with our time, with our attention, and yes, with our finances. So the question as we close is, will we? Will you dare to trust in our generous God by showing His generosity to others? Will you trust Him through tithing or through giving offerings beyond your tithe? Do you need to be reminded of His generosity? I hope you heard today. Do you need to be reminded that you are called to show and tell God's generosity? That the gift you give in time or attention or in finances may be the thing that finally allows someone else to see how deeply God loves them. And how generous He longs to be in them. You and I, church, we are called to be the visible presence of the generosity of God. The question is, will we? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, thank You first and foremost for being such a generous God. None of us would be here in this place had You not in Your generosity given all of creation. If You you had given up on our first parents when they believed a lie that there wasn't enough, that You were holding out, that they could be more. If You hadn't down through history, use people like Abraham and Moses, prophets of old, to call us back to remember the generosity that you have for us. If you had not sent Jesus, we would not know. We would not have the life that truly is life. And we would truly be lost. Like our culture says, it would have to be grab all you can for there's not enough. Grab for yourself and your family and let the others fend for themselves. But the story is true. You stretched out your hands on a cruel cross and you gave your very life trusting the Father giving even your very spirit back into His hands, trusting that even in the midst of death, He was so generous, He would bring you new life. And because of that, we received the gift, the free gift of salvation, of sins forgiven, 
of the Holy Spirit empowering us and living in us to model and show the generosity of God out into our world. The truth is, Father, sometimes that lie is still whispered in our ears and we are still tempted to believe it. So I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in fear right now, worried that there's not enough, that they would declare in their heart of hearts today, no, I will not believe the ancient lie, for my God gave everything for me. And He will provide even His Spirit to empower me to be generous. No matter my circumstances, I'm going to trust. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give my attention. I'm even going to let God into my checkbook my debit card, my savings account. For I trust that He is the God who gives everything for our enjoyment. Help us to be a community that lives this out. Help us right now to give of ourselves and our possessions. For we ask this in the name of the Father who gave the Son who gave the Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Before you go today, I want you to take a moment and just commit to say, I want to I test this. Malachi, God says, test me in this about tithing. Test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven for you. Would you dare for the next month while we're in this series, would you dare to give 10% of what God enables you to give? Maybe you want to start today. Maybe, maybe you didn't give or you didn't give what you knew you should or anything along those lines. And you want to go ahead. If you give online, you can go ahead and do that. Think about that. Think about where you want to give. If you're a consistent tither, is God speaking to you about Getting, being a part of the one of 50 or giving to world evangelism or something along those lines. Can we give? Can we be generous? Can you find a place to serve in the church or around the church? Can you give someone your undivided attention this week? If so, you will be modeling the life that is truly life. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, may the generous God make His generosity abundantly clear to you. May you dare to live generously, to model this generous God who you claim to believe in. May you model it in your time as you serve. May you model it in the attention you give to those around you. And yes, may you model it in how you use your finances. May you dare to trust that ours is the God who gives and gives and gives and gives. And may you find this God to be faithful and true. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Go in blessing. God bless you.